Local stories are stories of God's grace at work in the lives of those who are part of local church St. Pete. We want to highlight his activity and celebrate his grace. Good morning. All right, this local story begins with Eggs Benedict. Yeah, I should have been eating fruit or oatmeal, but I was eating Eggs Benedict, and I had just finished breakfast at one of my local spots, and I was, um, I was walking home, and all of a sudden I felt this incredible cramp in my side. And so I'm like, oh boy, you know, should have, should have ordered something else this morning. And by the time I made it home, man, I was experiencing the most searing pain I have ever experienced in my life. And I just throw this out there to all the men here at local church. Did I call an ambulance? No, no, too prideful for that. So instead, I just stayed home and suffered in like agony for about the next 22 hours, uh, passed out twice. And I say all that because it becomes relevant later on in the story. But I went to the hospital. I drove myself, another brilliant move on my part. And, and that's where I met Marty, the person that was going to be my roommate for the next eight days. And it wasn't our Marty. It was a totally different Marty. So the first few days, I, I mean, I was not even able to talk, like for the first three days. Very unusual for me. And, you know, this forced me to, to listen. And so for the, you know, the next few days, I did a lot of listening. And I listened to Marty, and I listened to his family that came to visit him. I listened to the doctors that came to see him that, um, that basically told him he was terminally ill. And, you know, they had gone in, sorry, to do, a, to do an operation. And, you know, it was just so bad that they just closed him up. And... Um, and, you know, the nurses were doing their best to keep him comfortable and all that, but, you know, he was, he was really struggling. And so for days, you know, I heard him talking to relatives, talking to friends on the phone, you know, saying all the things that, that you would say at the end of your life here. And, you know, I learned that he had a couple of sisters, and they came by, especially for the first three days, and his eldest sister um, was pretty intense. And in that time, she, you know, kept trying to get Marty to change all of his estate plans, like who gets what and who's in charge and all of that. And so basically, he, he, he signed all those papers, and I, I, I never saw her again uh, for the rest of the week. Um, but, the, but the thing that I really learned about Marty during that time is that he didn't know Jesus at all. And not only did he not know him, he seemed like really adverse to the whole idea. And on about the fourth day, I was finally able to talk to Marty. And I have a legal background, and that allowed me to talk to him about some of the things that were going on with him. And I gave him some advice. And, you know, we, we talked about non-legal things, too. You know, we were roomies, after all. And, you know, all day, every day, for days, all I heard Marty say what, to everybody who would listen is how badly he just wanted to go home. He wanted to be in his house. He wanted to be in his bed. And the eighth day that I was there, the surgeon, you know, released Marty. There was nothing else they could do for him. And as the nurses were preparing him for discharge, and he was very excited <laughs> to be getting out of there, um, 
his sister called the hospital. And basically, she put in a call and said that if, if they released him, that she would sue the hospital. So that, you know, Marty took that very, very hard, and he totally broke down. And that same morning, I received my discharge, and <laughs> I couldn't wait to blow, blow out of there. I just wanted to go home, you know? And as I was changing out of my hospital gown and into my street clothes, I got a prompting, and the Holy Spirit said, you gotta share the gospel with Marty. And I was like, oh no, I just wanna go home, you know? And I was, I was just, you know, I was just rationalizing, you know, I'm not equipped to evangelize. I don't have the answers. What if he asked me a question and I can't answer some element of doctrine or something? But, you know, really, all I was thinking about was myself. I was, I was in my flesh, big time. And I wanted to go home. And just about that time, the nurse came in and said, hey, Chris, I'm sorry, but your discharge has been delayed. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, you know, God's got a plan here. <laughs> and so, you know, Marty and I, like, were commiserating about the whole deal, and about an hour passed, and I got a second prompting. I'm ashamed to say, I resisted it again. And I'm telling you, it was a real battle between the flesh and the spirit. You know, I felt, you know, be, being transparent, I just felt like I wasn't good enough, you know? I just wouldn't be able to say the right things to him. And so, so I, I went back to my bed. And, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, Marty doesn't want to hear about the gospel. I mean, I've been listening to him for the last week. He is so against the gospel and anything to do with it. I'm going to feel so foolish. And, you know, just the audacity of that, that I would, like, put myself in front of something that the Lord was, you know, clearly telling me to do. So another hour passed, and I got a third prompting. Okay, this one came with a message. And basically it was, the stakes are so high. And, you know, I just thought about the enormous gravity of that just seemingly simple statement, and I couldn't get it out of my head. So I finally, I, I surrendered. And I walked over to Marty's bed, and I began to share the gospel with him. And I mostly shared with him about, you know, what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10 and what was required for salvation. And I'm saying all this, and I'm looking at Marty, and Marty's, you know, just not connecting to it at all. And, and when I say the words did not come out smoothly, I mean, picture, like, a washing machine rolling down a super steep hill. That's how it was. I mean, it was terrible, terrible. So... Right when I was about to, you know, give up, and I, I got another prompting, and this time it was that I was to share the story of the thief on the cross, the one who died next to Jesus, and the one who was, you know, it was his salvation on the cross next to our Lord. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, it wasn't even me talking. It was just all the Lord, and it just came out, and, and it's like, it was, it was so beneficial because, like, I was able to just 
stand over here on the side, <laughs> and I was just looking at Marty, and like a light went on for him. And he just, it's just like that story connected something inside of him. So I finished, I was smart enough not to say anything else. <laughs> Neither of us said anything. And during the silence, you know, I was just dumbstruck at how God had totally orchestrated this whole thing. And, and I, I was ashamed that it took three promptings, frankly. Um, I, I know how important it is to share the truth, to share the gospel with somebody, especially you know, with Marty at the, at the end of his life. And I considered how you know, God mercifully delayed my discharge so that he could accomplish his purpose. And I, I remembered how, how I, had always, I always pray, you know, God, not my will, your will be done. I want to do things your way. And it, it really struck me that I, I almost completely failed to be obedient in this hypercritical situation. And I realized how like the Lord put me, like somebody that had a legal background and was able to start talking to Marty about some things that were really important. Um, and that kind of like established like a, a, a foundation of trust between us. And then we just talked about, you know, other things over those eight days. And ultimately, that, you know, that's what enabled me to, to share the gospel with him. You know, God had prepared each of us for that moment. And, and through illness, God brought us together into that time and that place. And, and at that moment, you know, I was not thinking about getting out of the hospital at, at all anymore. That thought was gone. The only thought I had was, you know, I would, I would so go through this again for Marty or, you know, anybody. And about that time, you know, with all this stuff circling in my head, Marty gave his life to the Lord. <laughs> you know, and picture it, right? Marty's in a hospital bed, a dozens of tubes, wires, you know, everything going on with him. And he prayed the most beautiful prayer I think I've ever heard. You know what he didn't pray for? He didn't pray for it. He didn't pray to go back to his house. The, the last thing that he said was, after, after like five minutes, is, God, I just want to be with you. And so, as I stand before you today, I recognize that, you know, my last day in that hospital was my one chance to be used by the Lord so that he could reach Marty on his, at his last days, here in this world. And I keep thinking how true it is that, you know, the stakes are so high, and how much our Father loves us, that his heart is that not one of his sheep would be lost. You know, and I get this. I'm a father. I have five children. And I share this with you as an encouragement but my two eldest children aren't saved. So my prayer, you know, I've said everything I can to them. I've taught them everything I can teach. So my prayer these days is more like, will God put, please put one of these people into my kid's life to bring them over? So I hope you take that as encouragement, and I thank you for listening. <laughs>